0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Buckle up, strap yourself in, and get ready. Welcome to The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. It has been and continues to be quite the week. James Comey testifying at a congressional hearing, calling Donald Trump a liar and exposing himself as a leaker. Very interesting developments. We'll talk about that in some detail in our next hour. And joining us from New York will be Mark Simone. He's a longtime Donald Trump friend, and he's the number one rated New York City radio talk show host between noon uh, at 10 a.m. and noon on 710 WOR Radio. That's where we uh, rented studio space and our network first anniversary broadcast of 9-11. So we have some clips for you from Mr. Comey, and we have some clips for you from El Presidente, and uh, that's all coming up. We also have clips, and folks, I never do this. I swear I never do this, ever, ever do this. With one exception, I actually watched, what's the name of the show? Kelly and Ryan? Yeah. See, I never do it, but I watched Kelly and Ryan and Justin. And I was so proud of our prime minister, Justin. And his knowledge and understanding of Canadian contemporary history, particularly when Justin waxed eloquently about maybe how his daughter could be the first female prime minister of Canada. Well now well, I will say, I will say i have I have one daughter, and there is something very special about imagining a, a woman prime minister. Uh, yeah, I, think so. I think it's long overdue. I just don't think we have to wait that long. You twit. First woman prime minister sat in the studio with me in 1993, maybe 92 as well. Although I don't think she was prime minister in 92. Maybe somebody can correct me on that. But she sat in the studio. Kim Campbell sat in the studio in 1993, the first woman prime minister. That's just a, a lapse of memory. He did much, much better, much better When he got into talking about terrorism, national security, and how to combat, well, all that national security stuff. Some tough and tragic news over the weekend coming out of London in the wake of what happened in Manchester. What goes through your mind when you think about keeping Canada safe? Keeping our country safe, uh, our country safe, is, is the biggest responsibility for any leader. And there's all sorts of different things we need to do. Whether it's investing in safety, security, police officers, and uh, investigative national security stuff, or, or whether it's creating a society in which uh, we're there for each other, we lean on each other, we're resilient enough to handle uh, you know, bad things happening without you know falling into a bad space. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. That is 1968 talk. That's what I would have expected, maybe, from his pop, if his pop had had a few pops. But to have the prime minister say, investing in safety, security, police officers, and investigative national security stuff, <laughs> it just inspires confidence. And, uh, yes, Kim Campbell was the prime minister of Canada. And, uh, Mr. Trudeau, I believe it was the Liberal government that appointed her to some fairly specific positions, it was Crutcham first, and then I think your government now has as well. And uh, I believe she's been quoted by your government, but who's? Yeah, it's picking hairs. The other story that has really generated a tremendous amount of activity. My emails have just been loaded. And that's the uh, the story of my interview with the Federal Minister of Health, Dr. Jane Philpott. And I went to the Federal Minister of Health's Twitter account. Now, remember, they asked us for the interview. We didn't ask them. They asked us. I mean, I did say on the air, I'm right at the other end of 1-800-263-2428. I said that a bunch of times. And then they called. The press secretary called. Do this accurately. First name is Andrew. Nice guy. And uh, he said, look, we the minister might want to speak with you and set you straight because you've conflated uh, information. Now, I have no idea what conflated means, but it sounds like he's telling me I'm, I'm not telling the truth. So uh, I opened the door for the minister. I said, anytime, if you want to pre-record, I'll come in at 3 o'clock in the morning, whatever you need. And as you know, the minister... A week ago today, made herself available for an interview, and I really, really thought they had some material they'd be able to unload on me. But there wasn't any, because there isn't any. So since they asked for the interview, my anticipation was, and since the minister didn't do particularly well in the interview, that's consensus, uh, my view was that there would be something on Twitter. About you know me being a, a bully interrogator or whatever else somebody might. Th- I wouldn't. I wasn't going to suggest the minister would write that, but somebody else might on her site and on her Twitter account. And uh, well, I guess the interview went so badly that they preferred not to have uh, any mention of any kind. And remember, they asked us, so it really should be incumbent on them after they asked us for an interview, on a national radio program on an issue that has been so dominantly front and center with our callers and we've talked to patients who have said they'll commit suicide if their opioids are taken away from them and I've challenged the government and the medical researchers and suggested that they are actually playing games with statistics they talk about the numbers of individuals who have died because of opioid overdoses or they've been influenced by opioid overdoses, but they don't make it clear whether it's the generic drug addict or whether it's the opioid patient. And I would tell you, my, uh, my I, it's not rocket science, it's the generic drug addict because otherwise they would say it's the opioid patient and they haven't said it, their statistics are flawed. And we spoke to the editor of the guide, of the Opioid Guide, and he told us when I pointed out, actually he pointed out a statistic to me, and that's the one I wanted to go to because I said to him that this is all upside down. I mean, there's no which percentage is is patients and which percentage is uh, is drug addicts, and said so we don't know. So why do you have it in the in the guideline if you don't know? Why is it there? And during the interview, I also asked the minister for some specific numbers of patients who had died because of opioid overdose. Now, chronic pain patients, she didn't have any numbers. Um, in the next half hour, we'll talk more about this with the executive director of the Chronic Pain Association of Canada, Barry Ulmer, will join us. And uh, tomorrow, just want to tell you that tomorrow, joining us from the United States, and I'll get you his title. He is the uh, president. Yeah, I thought I'd get you his title. I'll get you his title shortly. He's the president of an association, the, the American Association of Pain Physicians. Now, that's not the exact title, but that's, that'll suffice. And uh, he's a pain physician in Salt Lake City, Utah. And they heard about the interview that I did with the minister. And they read the blog piece that's on, the, uh, on, on my blog page and also on the uh, global news web page. And they contacted me from Salt Lake City and they said, we agree completely with everything that you've said in the interview and everything you wrote. And this doctor says the responsibility is to look after the patient. And he's been investigated for doing that. So he'll join us tomorrow. As will Dawn Ray Daunton. She is um, a writer. Many of you probably heard the name. She wrote a piece in the Globe and Mail a few days ago. After my interview with the minister, and Don Ray Daunton and I spoke with her at length the other night, wonderful lady. She lives with horrific chronic pain, and she's prescribed fentanyl. And she told me, and you can read it in her column in the Globe and Mail, and I, I tweeted the at the links, at the Roy Green Show, um, she told me that she has a suicide plan in place. So if her fentanyl is taken away from her, she will not be able to live with the level of pain that she's been experiencing for 20 years, so she'll take her life. Is this what Canadian medicine's about? Is this what practicing medicine is about? Look, it's a million and a half people in this country who are living with chronic pain, some of them with such severe pain that they cannot get through their days. One email from one of my listeners And this was so graphic. He has issues with nerves in his face. And he wrote, the pain, without the opioid medication to knock it down, is like somebody taking a clothing iron, turning it on full blast, and pressing it against my face every second of the day. The one thing that helps is his opioids. It helps get the pain down. So I says, as I said to the minister, what's the issue? What's the problem? Just let the pain patient use what works, particularly if it's a, a prescription medicine. Let it be worked out between the doctor and the patient. Well, they're not going to do that. There's going to be a big meeting in Vancouver in a few days' time on the issue of opioids, and there's going to be a roundtable discussion, and guess who's not invited? The media there'll be a Q&A later with the, with the with the um, with the minister but media not invited to either observe or participate why is that let me take a quick break when we come back I a couple of things I want to play for you and um yeah I want to do that when we come back stay with us